After producing hundreds of episodes, we've got a lot of data about the podcast lying around. Data we made available to you, asking you to crunch the numbers to create visualizations for a contest that told the story behind the statistics to mark our 300th episode. We called for aid, you answered, creating visualizations that mapped how the podcast has changed over time. Out of five finalists, you chose a winner who is joining us on this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me is regular panelist John Baylor, Emeritus Professor of Statistics at Miami University. Our guest today is our Data Visualization Contest winner, Nicole Mark. Mark is a data visualization engineer and consultant who has worked in data analytics, data management, and data visualization for a number of healthcare-focused employers. She's also a Tableau social ambassador and a certified Tableau desktop specialist. Mark started out in DataViz making maps of imaginary worlds and cataloging volumes of the Babysitter's Club on her family's original Apple Macintosh. She writes about DataViz, life with ADHD, and the modern workplace in her blog, which you can find on Medium and Substack. She also co-leads Women in Data Viz and the Healthcare Tableau User Group. She's working on her master's in data science at the University of Colorado Boulder. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. That sounds like a lot of things I'm doing when you read them. <laughs> that is a lot of things. I would say, like, as I was looking through your bio, I really resonated with the cataloging of the Babysitter's Club books because those were cherished books in my household, oh, and I had them all on a shelf, very, very neatly arranged. So I just, I was like, oh, yes, this is a person after my own heart. Uh-huh. So now I got to know what, what insight. I had insects. ID numbers for them. <laughs> I had them. It was basically like a library. <laughs> I, I'm not it on the Dewey Decimal System, which we still used when I was in elementary school. um, That's more intense than my approach to organizing those books, but I really appreciate it. So you did visualization of of that book series? So my dad purchased the first Apple Macintosh computer, the beige one that was all one unit. And he basically just let my sister, brother, and I loose on it. My brother and sister could not have cared less, (laughs) but I started playing around in Mac Paint. And the first thing I did was make a map of the neighborhood. So that was like my first visualization. Um, And then I used, uh, I don't remember what the, I think it was still called Pages, whatever the word processing program was back then, I used Pages to catalog my Babysitter's Club books and the ones I was missing that my uh, parents needed to procure for me. (laughs) So how did you hear about our contest? What what kind of got you in, introduced you to these data? So I listened to this podcast and a number of other data podcasts somewhat regularly, depending on what my schedule is like. But I think I heard about the contest, I'm almost sure, from the Data Visualization Society website. They had it on there, um, I think, right after you announced it. I was like, oh, I was like, podcast data, this sounds great. Uh, How did you approach uh, working with this data? Did you know going in what you wanted to sort of focus on, or did you dig around first and then figure out what story you wanted to tell? 
I always dig around first. I've had uh, conversations with other data visualization developers who have a clear visual idea in their heads before they even see data sometimes. But for me, the any visualization I make is very driven by the data. Because really, one of my favorite things to do is exploratory visualization. And while I'm doing that, I get some ideas um, as I go through the data. Um, and yeah, I had just learned how to make this sort of spiral chart uh, that I ended up making. And I was like, oh, this sounds, this is a good opportunity for me to put each episode as a data point. Like, and since there are 300, you know, less than 300, they could fit on there. And then I chose the auxiliary, the uh, bar chart off to the right, just to kind of clarify the a uh, little bit more complicated visual for people. So what when I saw that the the visualization here, this this circular display you kind of alluded to, I immediately had the the, the lovely image of a tree growing. So the for me the the oh. thing that that I thought of this as as tree rings and thinking about from the the in, the innermost ring being the first year of the 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 show as it grew out from that central point. And so that that idea of aging. Of, a, of this of the program is in this growth of this tree really really had a lot of appeal to me was were you thinking about things like that as you were looking at this this type of visualization i love that you thought of tree rings that makes me very happy but i i was thinking about like the growth from the center of the circle outward it was clear to me that that was or for me anyway, that was a good way to see that information and to understand like, oh, over time, they've um, started to podcast on a regular schedule and there's now a diversity of topics. I started to bring in like more guest information, but that was a rabbit hole that I was like, okay, if you still, <laughs> I know myself, if I started down that one, it would have not been done in time. <laughs> So, you know, you one thing that, that I think about with visualizations are, are kind of these the set aesthetic mappings that are embedded in this. So there's information in your graph about the idea of, of when the show occurs, which is basically movement from the center of the ring outside. Also, the position on the ring is telling you mm -hmm. something about within the course of the year when it occurred. So you have mm -hmm. kind of year as the ring, position of the circle as the month and date. Uh, you want to talk about some of the other aesthetic features that are used to represent data in this in in your exploration? Uh, so the I'll talk about the color palette uh, really quickly. Color palette is a part of data visualization design that I and I know many others from my conversations struggle with a lot of times. Um, but the, I love the shade of red in your logo. So it was good to have that inspiration. And so this, this was the first time in a long time, it was very easy for me to find a color palette. And normally I'm on numerous websites trying to find like custom colors. This is actually a Tableau standard color palette. It just worked really, I liked it for this biz a lot. So there was that. Um, in terms of the circle, the smaller circles that are along the rings, um, they're sized by 
uh, length of the episode. And then, and they're colored by the category. Uh, so like health, um, methodology, the various other uh, categories that you have. And then the bar chart breaks them down episodes by category. And there's a little vision tooltip that shows you on a line chart over time or how the number of episodes in that category have increased or not increased. Um, I love I love hiding extra information <laughs> in a tooltip or um, in under something you can click. Uh, there's a whole table on another page for for the table people. Um, or if you just really want to know all the specifics of one particular episode. Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I mean, I, I thought that the sizes might be pro of the circles were proportional to the number of listen as I was looking at this. Uh, that is, you're right. You're absolutely right. I need more caffeine right now. No <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I like the uh, the embedded display with the that that was a, uh, that kind of was rendered with the tooltip over because as i looked at it you know i think some of the topics like like sports or economics or even entertainment or environment there was very linear politics as well sort of over time the growth is, yeah. re is relatively similar so i thought huh that's i i don't know if i think we sort of have this intuitive sense of balancing of episode focus uh and media but then the, the one surprise to me was the society category which which started out mm -hmm. kind of flat and then all of a sudden just grew. So so you're giving this cumulative distribution information there. So as a, as a stat person, I love that. But but also being able to think a little bit about the rate at which certain categories are are being uh, represented in in episodes was 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 clear from that exploration. So that was really cool. I like that a lot. I was I honestly was thinking about um, I was like, I wonder if they plan based on categories because I started to see that they were sort of growing at an approximately similar rate. We do. <laughs> we, we try to. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole, I you as you were talking, you said this was something that you wanted this chart was something you wanted to play around with. And we're, and we're learning when this data was made available. How do you generally approach the kinds of visualizations you're going to use? You know, if, if you have a data set and you don't have something that you're playing with and experimenting with, how do you decide what visual, visualization you're going to use? So I have kind of two situations. One is where I have a client <laughs> and my consulting clients, uh, they sometimes have chart types in mind and they sometimes don't. When they do, sometimes they're not very good ideas. So what I do is I make what I want and then convince them that this is better. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. Um, you know. <laughs> honestly, I a good success rate because what I'll usually do is I'll make the pie chart they asked for and then what I thought uh, was the better alternative. Nice, nice. And I'll say, which one of these do you think is easier to understand? I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think that approach works better than saying to them, no, uh, pie charts are forbidden among uh, state visualization engineers and I'm not making it. So I... I would rather at least give their preferences a try, even if I kind of know that's not going to uh, 
be the right chart so they can see that I considered doing what they wanted. And then the other situation is when I'm working with data that I've chosen or a Tableau community project that has selected the data and I've chosen to do it. And again, the chart types I make, I would say 80% of the time are guided by my initial exploratory data visualization where I find like, am I, do I want to look at distributions? Do I want to look at part to whole? Do I want to look at individual data points? Do I want to do all of these things? Occasionally, uh, it will, there will be a situation where I'm like, you Actually, this happened last week. I was like, I want to make an upset plot and I'm going to find some data <laughs> for which I can make an upset plot. But yeah, normally the data leads the way. So so you talked a little bit about some of the in, the things that you were telling from this display. One was kind of the, the greater frequency of release, the more regular release schedule, something about that that there was a almost there was a regularity of the categories as they were being released over the years. Were there were there other kind of stories yeah. behind this statistics here that you were hoping to tell with your visualization? One of the aims was I was hoping to bring some awareness that the podcast exists. Um, since I since I knew I was going to post it on Tableau Public, those are all data people. So if I could get them interested in any aspect of it, then um, they would be likely to listen and check it out. So I wanted to tell the story that you know here is a, another really great podcast about statistics and, and data and how um, we use data in in society to ma make decisions or not make decisions. Um, I wanted I wanted people to discover that, to get interested in the topics, to go to the table and see that like you have these great guests like Alberto Cairo and like all these people that I really consider very inspirational in the fields. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Thank you so much, Nicole, for contributing to the contest. Uh, I think John and I both, when we saw the data viz, were just really pleased yeah. with what you put together and felt like it really reflected, I think, what we're trying to do on the show. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. It was awesome. You did great. You do great work. And I've, I really enjoy looking at some of the other visualizations. And I would encourage listeners, once we post this this episode, to, to dive in and take a, a look at, at Nicole's other work on their Tableau Public site. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed this challenge so much. It was really so fun and such a such a lovely a lovely surprise to get an email that I won. <laughs> <laughs> Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter at Stats and Stories, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu, or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.